It is a new day. What does it have in store here on Roadmap to Heaven? Well, to find out, you have to stay tuned for today's show. I'm Adam Wright. So happy to be with you this morning on February 15th. Let us begin our day in prayer. We pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins for the intentions of all my relatives and friends and in particular for the intentions of the holy father amen we dedicate all of our thoughts words and actions to the greater glory of god in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen it is wednesday we are one week out from ash wednesday lent starts one week from today are you ready well you know if you've been listening to the show i hope the answer to that is yes but you know we still have more ways we can get ready today on the show we're going to begin looking at a conversation we had with father wade menezes about lent uh, this week taking lent in general and then next week looking at uh, the negatives and the positives and What do we mean by that? Well, I'll let Father Wade explain that a little later on. We're also talking with Matt Swain today from, well, you know him. You just heard him. He uh, does a lot of work with the Coming Home Network, and we're going to be talking about how we can support the catechumens who are coming into the church this Easter. Uh, There's a lot that's going to happen in the season of Lent. Matt's going to help us break that down as well. For our radio listeners, we're going to continue to take a look at the Mass with Father Kirby, looking at part two of his series, A Walk Through the Mass, focusing on the petitions, part two of the petitions. And then uh, we got a little bit extra for you today as well, plus, you know, our music, the daily dose of encouragement. It's going to be a good morning here together. That said, the weather outside looks beautiful, especially compared to today. The weather forecast for today was great yesterday. Let's see if it holds up. We turn now to Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of Saints Faustinus and Jovita, they were martyrs, and Saint Claude La Colombière. Born in France in 1641, he was the third child of Bertrand and Margaret and taught by the Jesuits. At 17, he entered the novitiate of the Society of Jesus at Avignon, finishing his studies and spending the next five years teaching grammar while he was in formation. In 1666, Claude was sent to Paris to study theology while at the same time developing quite a reputation as an outstanding preacher. In 1675, he was made rector of a Jesuit community in Burgundy where he was also the spiritual director of the Visitation Sisters and it was here he met St. Margaret Mary Alico. Before arriving, St. Margaret Mary had been given private revelations by Jesus about devotion to his sacred heart, but it was not well received within her community and she suffered greatly. After many conversations and confessions, Claude not only became a supporter of St. Margaret Mary, he also became an advocate himself for devotion to Jesus' sacred heart. In 1676, he was sent to England where he continued to guide St. Margaret Mary by letter, but two years later, 
he was arrested after Titus Oakes, who became known as Titus the Liar, made up a story about a plot by the Pope to assassinate Charles II. This led to an anti-Catholic hysteria that took the lives of many Catholics, including 20 Jesuit priests. He was arrested and forced to return to France, going to Lyons as a spiritual director for novices, where he died on this day in 1682. St. Claude La Colombière, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Before diving into our first piece today, I just want to draw your attention. Every morning I go through some news headlines, and on Catholic News Agency this morning, there's a great story you ought to read about uh, a beatification date announced for a married couple with seven children who were martyred during World War II. Um, And what really strikes out, the family was killed for hiding Jewish Refugees, I suppose, is the best way to say it. Uh, they, they were hiding those who were being persecuted, those who were being killed. When they were discovered, those they were hiding were killed immediately. And then Joseph and Victoria Ulma and their seven children were then killed as well. And Victoria was pregnant, seven months pregnant at the time. So the archdiocese that where they lived has announced that the entire Ulma family, including, including one unborn child, the, the child that Victoria was pregnant with, will be beatified on September 10th. You'll have to go to Catholic News Agency for more on that. But what an inspiration for us, a whole family to be beatified. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Oh, what consolation, what sweetness, what confidence, what emotion fill my soul when I pronounce thy sacred name, or even only think of thee. I thank God for having given thee, for my good, so sweet, so powerful, so lovely a name. But I will not be content with merely pronouncing thy name. Let my love for thee prompt me ever to hail thee, Mother of Perpetual Help. Yesterday, I was able to sit down with Father Wade Menezes from the Fathers of Mercy to talk about Lent, which starts when? One week from today. And we're going to bring you parts of that conversation over the next few days. So let's go with part one right now. I've really been enjoying every opportunity we've had to speak with Father Wade Menezes, and it's been even better in the last several conversations because we've been able to speak via video conference and actually see each other's faces. And Father, I have to say, you're the first person who's looked at the green background behind me and said, well, you should change it seasonally. So I've got green for ordinary time right now, but soon we'll have to find the uh, the purple acoustic panel. Either way, it's great to speak with you today. Thank you, Adam. It's great to be back with you as we prepare to enter into the beautiful liturgical season of Lent. And by the way, the liturgical documents don't say purple, they say violet. So that's ah. just a you know, little, little side note there. <laughs> well, I, I am going to a trivia night next week where that might actually come up because it's a very Catholic group and they've got some really great Catholic questions. I can't say any more because some of our listeners are probably going to the same trivia night. But right. Father, we are here to speak about Lent today. We've spoken about Lent before, but it's it's a good time for an annual primer, an annual 
uh, reminder of everything we're going to be considering. So this week we are going to look at Lent uh, in the broad view, in the general. And then next yeah. week I know you have some specifics for us as we think about what to give up or what to do, et cetera. Yeah, so the two shows go together. So your listeners, if they're listening today, when we talk about Lent generally, as you said, uh, they're going to definitely want to tune in next week when I give some particulars, uh, springboarding from the 14 works of mercy, uh, the three eminent good works, and some other lists of the church's teaching, like the seven capital sins, where we can discern some positives and negatives of Lent. Uh, Negatives of Lent are things we give up positives of of Lent are things that we do proactively. So we tend to want to think of Lent as only uh, a a negative reality, the giving up of things, right? But it's also very positive, things that we do during Lent. And we'll look at some different lists of the church's teaching in that regard to give us some things positive and some things negative that we can both do and give up. So the two shows really go together. I want to stress that for our listeners. But, you know, Lent, generally speaking, you know, uh, it, it comes from the Middle English word lantan, uh, meaning springtime, which right away, Adam, the bells and whistles should go off for all of us regarding springtime, meaning new growth, new life, etc. So Lent is gearing towards something, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, the ultimate springtime that gives us new life from death, which he conquered. Uh, for us, uh, and sin. He conquered sin and death. So uh, Lent, again, comes from the Middle English word Lenten, meaning springtime. And we want to think about those overtones of new life and whatnot. The Lenten season lasts 40 days because Jesus went into the desert for 40 days of fasting, right? During which he was tempted. But he also went into the desert not only to fast, but to meditate and to reflect um, before beginning his three years of public ministry. We tend to forget that, that before he began his three years of public ministry, and of course, tradition in the church says that he lived up to 33 years of age. The first 30 years were in uh, silence and in a a certain kind of hiddenness, right? But his three years uh, of public ministry were the last three years of his life, and he went to the cross for us at around age 33. Lent is reminding us of the importance of the solitude, of the fasting, of the reflection, of the meditation. The Congregation for Divine Worship describes Lent, Adam, as a time of preparation for Easter. Quote, it is a time to hear the word of God, to convert, to prepare one's mind, to love one's neighbor even more, to be reconciled with God, to remember one's baptism, and to offer more frequent recourse to the arms of Christian penance and reconciliation. So there you have it. There's a list of seven or eight things right there, right? Uh, Lent is, is preeminently about the three eminent good works, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Okay, so we'll talk more about that next week when I give a, a list of some positives and negatives of things we can do. Fasting, we know, is a negative. We give up things. But how about the prayer and the almsgiving? Those are examples of positives of Lent, things that we do. Maybe take on the chaplet of divine mercy each day. Maybe visit a soup kitchen once a week to help serve. Uh, positives that we do. Uh, but it, but it, preeminently, it's about the imminent good works, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, which kind of serve as a, as a cloud uh, hovering over the whole and beautiful liturgical season of Lent. Lent officially begins on Ash Wednesday, and it ends at the beginning of the Mass of the Lord's Supper on Holy Thursday, and traditionally Sundays are excluded in Lent's 40-day count because every Sunday is a little Easter. Now, I'm a balanced Catholic. I am right in line with the chair of Peter. I swerve neither left nor right 
to that chair. You know, if you fall out of the bark of Peter, Adam, you risk drowning. And I don't want to drown. As much as I love water and whitewater rafting and swimming, <laughs> I don't want to drown by falling out of the bark of Peter, right? So if the church teaches that the Sundays of Lent are not included in the 40-day count, then you can, if you wish, without feeling guilty, all right, you can forego the things that you're giving up for Lent and enjoy them on Sundays, but only on Sundays. And one other time we can enjoy them. Any solemnity that falls during a weekday of Lent, let's say, for example, March 19th, the Solemnity of St. Joseph falls on a Wednesday. And when does it fall this year? Let me check really quick on that. Uh, it falls on a Sunday. Uh, we lose out this year. The 19th is a Sunday. <laughs> so we lose that extra solemnity of, uh, of, of St. Joseph, husband of Mary. But what's another one during uh, Lent? March 25th is a Saturday. And so that's a solemnity next to the solemnity of Sunday, the 26th in March of this year. So if a solemnity falls during a weekday, we treat it like the Sunday, right? And we can forego those things we give up, but always still want to do those positives, those things we've decided to do during Lent. Don't give those up. That's that's my recommendation as a, as a balanced Catholic, right? I think that's very, very important. I just want to make very clear, because I will ask Father Wade this later in the interview that will bring you that section uh, either tomorrow or Friday. Many of us say, you know, I'm going to stay giving up on Sunday. You know, I'm going to go all seven days of the week. I'm going to go this many days in a row. And it's a laudable practice, and Father will make that very clear. That's a laudable practice, and it's one we should consider. It's one that I choose to do because I find I have a better Lent that way. And so I just want to put that out there. You know, far be it for me to uh, to have a disagreement with Father Wade, but that, that's how I approach it, and I wanted to share that with you this morning. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll be talking with Matt Swaim about RCIA and the season of Lent. Prayer for God's blessing of one's daily work. O Lord my God, Creator and ruler of the universe, it is your will that human beings accept the duty of work. May the work I do bring growth in this life to me and to those I love and help to extend the kingdom of Christ. Give all persons work that draws them to you and to each other in cheerful service. I unite all my work with the sacrifice of Jesus in the Holy Mass, that it may be pleasing to you and give you glory. I beg your blessing upon all my efforts with St. Joseph as my example and guide, help me to do the work you have asked and come to the reward you have prepared. Amen. You know the voice of our next guest because you hear him every day on the Sunrise Morning Show here on Covenant Network. We're happy to be joined by Matt Swain, co-host of Sunrise Morning Show, and uh, doing some great work with the Coming Home Network. Matt, how are you today? Adam, it's always great to serve as your warm-up act on weekdays as you... Uh serve the the whole network there in the whole middle of the country. Now, Matt, uh, we're, we're talking about Lent coming up, and I want to go back to my days working as a parish music director. Uh, there was always that time that the pastor would come up to me because inevitably I would forget every Lent. He's like, oh, by the way, we've got the scrutinies this Sunday, or we've got the right of election this Sunday, or we've got this going on with RCIA this Sunday. So everything you planned, you have to change it to fit this. And I'd say, 
Yeah, great. That, that, that's wonderful, Father. We will make that happen. And it's no shock, it's no surprise, even though I might have forgotten a couple of times through the years. But this is a very important thing in the life of the church. Uh, you know, for a while I thought RCIA maybe started in Lent, but really they've been meeting for a while now, all of the catechumens um, coming into the church this coming Easter. But things are about to really step into gear with Lent. So can you give us an overview of what we're going to be seeing in our parishes over the next few months? Yeah, you're going to be seeing a lot. And, you know, during Lent, there's just so much going on. And so it may be easy to miss some of the things that are connected directly to people who are coming into the church. Uh, Of course, at the Coming Home Network, that's kind of our whole deal, all right, is like helping people who are coming into the church. A lot of people think it's telling the stories of converts. That's kind of like the last step of the process. And usually they're in the church for a few years before we even tell the story. Most of what we do is walking with people through this process of becoming Catholic and most of like the most hardcore stuff happens from Ash Wednesday on. Um, you mentioned the scrutinies. This is a liturgical thing that um, is somewhat of an option at a lot of parishes, or it could be that if you go to a mass uh, at a parish where they've got like multiple masses, it only happens at one of the masses. Um, but uh, during this time of year, all these people who are getting ready to come into the church kind of walk up to the front and they call them scrutinies for a reason, right? The whole parachutes kind of like look at them and be like, I don't know, like, <laughs> are these people serious or not? And the people get to walk up and think to themselves, I don't know, am I am I serious or not, right? And the stories that are connected with the scrutinies, the gospels that are read in those masses are are fascinating. The things like the man born blind and being healed, and everybody's like, all right, man, so were you really blind to begin with? Um, or stories like Lazarus, like, okay, rose rose from the dead, like, what does that really mean, like? stories that have to do with miracles that require scrutiny the woman at the well like don't tell me that lady wasn't scrutinized by her neighborhood when she started to preach the gospel so i mean these are the kinds of things that these converts who have to sort of reckon with their pasts i mean this is what they're dealing with as they're coming into the church and saying like am i really changing am i really willing to let christ do work in me i mean there's a lot going on man yeah, it, there really is. Now, I'm going to expose my little liturgical nerdiness here for a moment. Uh, I was just Please thinking do. about this, that when a bishop comes to a diocese to take possession of the diocese, one of the things that happens in the course of the many uh, rituals is he's outside the door of the cathedral, and he literally bangs on the door as if to say, I'm your new bishop, let me in. And then the doors are open to him. He comes in. He greets the clergy, usually kisses the cross. That is not the case with our catechumens. It's not like they're going to come to the back door of the church one Sunday. We're going to be in mass and just hear bang, 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 bang on the door. You know, let me in, let me in. Uh, and we say, oh, well, maybe we should let <laughs> yeah. these people in. We, this is a calling. I mean, we, we talk about that right of election where they go down uh, usually to the cathedral of a diocese. And that really initiates this whole process of the church is inviting you to come in and and as you said we're going to scrutinize you to make sure you know that you're clear on why you're coming and and we're clear on why you're coming and it's easy to think okay well Adam Matt you just named the role for the bishop you just named the role for the catechumens you just uh, named the role for the catechists I'm just sitting in the pew and I get a little bonus church today at mass what is my role in all of this Yes. So I'm so glad you asked that because that all comes to a head at Easter you know it's funny uh, because working with converts all day long, I hear all these Catholics who say this thing, which they mean well, but is not true, which is, oh, you converts are such better Catholics than those of us who are born in the church. Well, first of all, these converts, they may have had to read more, uh, but you Catholics, I mean, you've been faithful. 
right? You've been going to mass and, and whatever, but it all comes to a head when these people get baptized at the Easter vigil, right? Because, you know, everybody sits outside and wants to say, oh man, this, what a great story that, that really inspired me to like, you know, take my faith seriously. But in the Easter vigil, when these people do their baptismal promises, like the church then turns it back on us and says, how about you all? Do you reject Satan? <laughs> you know, do you? Wait, what, you what, when did this problems? become about me here, Matt? You know, what are, what are you talking about? Right, exactly. Like, you know, it's like, oh, oh, isn't it great that these people have rejected Satan in all his pomps and circumstances, and they believe in God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then the priest turns around and is like, hey, yeah, how about the rest of y'all? Is this still true for you all? Like, I mean, every single person that comes into the church is a mirror back to all of us who are here. Like, what are we doing? And what have we done during Lent? So, yeah, it's a, I love, I mean... I know there's bigger yeah. parties in other liturgical seasons, but this is my favorite. Lent is my favorite. Now, before when we've had you on, we've, we've talked about this, and this is something really important I'd like to highlight. Uh, not just the importance of praying for the catechumens as they go through these liturgical rites and as they finish up their formation, but one of the aspects about this, uh, you know, we think of it, okay, well, you know, my family, I'm born and raised Catholic. Even my cousins, uh, my distant cousins, we're all one big, happy Catholic family. For a lot of our converts coming into the church, they might be leaving family behind. It might be them and their spouse and their children, and that's it. Everyone else is looking at him. What are you doing? Why are you joining that Catholic church? Uh, we need to talk. Yeah. Well, look at the genealogy of Jesus, right? Those most seemingly boring parts of the liturgy that we get at certain parts of the year where we just get the who begets so-and-so begat who and, you know, who begat who, who begat this person and down the line. And in that line, if you listen to the line of Jesus, you hear people like Ruth, a Moabite, Rahab, a harlot who let people into Jericho to let it be destroyed. The history of the people of God is all about people who came in and joined the family, you know? So often the family that they came from had no idea what they were doing, thought they were nuts and maybe loved them anyway, but thought they were crazy. So I would just say, when these people come into your family, don't just be like, oh, that's interesting. I guess we got seven people this year. I guess we got 22 people this year. Treat them like they just joined your family. Treat them like they just married your kid. You know, like treat these people like they are now full, complete members of the body of Christ because they are, right? They're in full communion. That's the theology of it. These people who have been somehow connected to Christ, somehow moved by the Holy Spirit before are now in, like in, in. So treat them like family. Treat them like the family that, that they now are. I love it. We, we think of the, the welcome home parties we throw when someone's been away, maybe at college or they, they've had to travel, they're in the military, uh, whatever it may be, they come home, we have a big gathering, we have a big party, we bring out the good food, we bring out you know all the best. Liturgically and, and prayerfully, let's, let's pray our hardest for our catechumens and let's participate when we're called to participate in these liturgical rites. But then after the Easter vigil, when everybody gathers in the, the church hall, let's bring our best of the chocolate chip cookies and the cakes and... Bring our A-games to that. Absolutely, man. Invite these people over for dinner. Ask where they're from. Like, ask if there's anything you could do for them. I mean, some of these people come from churches where, you know, they were welcomed, you know, all day, every day. And they come to the Catholic Church and they're like, I have no idea what's going on and nobody knows me. Um, let them know, man. Yeah. They're part of a family that's ready to take care of them. 
I mean, we've all seen and heard The Journey Home with uh, Marcus Grodi, and it, it's a fantastic show, so we know some of the questions to ask. How did your story begin? What led you to come into the Catholic faith? What do you love? You know the questions. You can, you can do the interview yourself right there in the vestibule of church one Sunday after Mass or out in the parking lot, and then follow that up with, hey, it's great to meet you. It's great to know you. Speaking of great to meet, great to know, Matt, it's always a joy to have you with us on Roadmap to Heaven. I'm looking forward. You know, pitchers and catchers have reported Soon the preseason games will begin, and then we will be into it. And, uh, you know, until they – there's a rumor they're going to retool the league if they have an expansion team in baseball. But until then, your Reds and my Cardinals are still in the same division. We both wear red. And uh, maybe next time they're playing one another, we'll have to get a little friendly morning show wager going here. Well, all I can say is that the communion that unites us is stronger than the division rivalry that might attempt to divide us. So – I'm always glad to be connected with you through Catholic Radio, even if we have to argue three games at a time a few times a year. I I love it. I I love it. it. Matt Swaim, the host of the Sunrise Morning Show. You hear him every day on Covenant Network here at 6 a.m. We're going to take a break. Stay tuned for more. Active Consecration to St. Joseph. Oh, dearest St. Joseph, I consecrate myself to your honor and give myself to you that you may always be my father my protector, and my guide in the way of salvation. Obtain for me a greater purity of heart and fervent love of the interior life. After your example, may I do all my actions for the greater glory of God in union with the divine heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. O blessed St. Joseph, pray for me that I may share in the peace and joy of your holy death. Amen. Catequiz this morning. There are four seasonal Marian antiphons we sing during Vespers or after Compline throughout the year. They are the Salve Regina, the Ave Regina Caelorum, Alma Redemptoris Mater, and Regina Caeli. Of those four, which one are we singing right now? Again, Salve Regina, Ave Regina Caelorum, Alma Redemptoris Mater, and Regina Caeli. Currently, we are singing the Ave Regina Caelorum. We sing it from the Feast of the Presentation. February 2nd, Candlemas, until the Easter Vigil, and we sing, Hail, Queen of Heaven, Hail, Lady of the Angels, Hail, Root, Hail, the Door Through Which the Light of the World is Risen, Rejoice, Glorious Virgin, Beautiful Above All, Hail, O Very Fair One, and Plead for Us to Christ. Let's get you a check of the weather and the daily dose of encouragement. A prayer for the holy souls. O Lord Jesus Christ, King of glory, deliver the souls of all the faithful departed from the pains of hell and from the bottomless pit. Deliver them from the lion's mouth, that hell not swallow them up, that they fall not into darkness, but let the holy standard-bearer Michael bring them into the holy light which you promised to Abraham and his seed. Amen. We are midway through the week here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, and Patty has been leading us through this topic of discernment for marriage. Patty, I look forward to today's encouragement. Well, we talked on Monday about discerning a relationship with the eyes of faith. Yesterday talked about discerning a relationship from a human perspective. Today I want to talk about just maturity. Some people are mature and ready for marriage, and some people are not. And and it's okay wherever your relationship may fall on that spectrum, but it's very important to ask these questions. So do you see this person ready for marriage? Here are some questions to ask. 
Does this person make sacrifices for loved one? Marriage is sacrificial from start to finish. So you need to be able to see that this person is mature enough to make sacrifices. Do you picture this person as a mother or a father? Again, that's an indicator of whether or not this person is ready for marriage. Does this person understand the sacrament of marriage and the call to be a wife and a mother or a husband and a father? That's a mature understanding of what marriage even is. And then also to know that the goal of marriage is to help one another to get to heaven and to love each other freely, faithfully, totally, and fruitfully. So again, no one may have a complete and full understanding of this. I mean, I'm thinking about it. I did not have a full understanding of this when I got married. It doesn't mean that it's a deal breaker, but it does mean is this person willing to learn and grow and know the true meaning of marriage and grow in sacrificial love. So these are important questions to ask and to have on your heart. And again, just great discussion for you and potentially your future spouse. I think today's encouragement is so closely linked with yesterday's because if you see this person doing it, fantastic, wonderful. But if you don't, are you making excuses for them as you asked us yesterday? And it's, you know, it can be a daunting thing to ask these honest questions, but what a great thing it is for us. Patty, thank you for this encouragement. Wrapping up today, again, we are one week away from the start of Lent. So are you ready for prayer? Are you ready for fasting? Are you ready for almsgiving? Those are things we're going to be talking about in depth uh, over the course of the next week. And again, when we think of fasting, we think of Ash Wednesday and Good Friday as the two days specifically are we are called to fast in a very particular way. We abstain from meat. We eat two small meals that when combined together do not equal the size or are larger than the size of our main meal of the day. And even in that main meal called to live modestly, it's not like we say, all right, I can only eat two small meals. It can't be larger than the sum total of my main meal. So I'm going to go out and make my main meal three or four times bigger than normal. No, 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 no. That is not the spirit of what we're doing here. You can fast outside of those two days. In fact, it is good to fast and pray outside of just those two days. You're going to have to decide how you want to approach that. And what we give up for Lent, we should be thinking about that now. Um, I need to make some decisions on that myself. And again, that is something that, can you give it up for the entire season of Lent? Can I challenge you on that? What is something you can do that every time you think of it, every time you want it, you're going to pray for either a soul in purgatory, or you're going to pray for the church, or you're going to just make that mental note, Lord, I want you more than I want this thing that I gave up that I am craving now. Have that plan. Don't wait until next Wednesday. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Queen of Heaven, Lady of Angels, pray for us. Saint Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, men, I'm looking forward to seeing you on Saturday, catholicmenforchrist.org, to sign up if you haven't already. It's going to be a fantastic time. Good way to get ready for Lent. Our theme for the day is going to be transformed. Ladies, please pray for the men on Saturday. And, uh, you know, all of us, let's do something to enter in as we prepare for this season of Lent. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Have a blessed day. And as always, pray your rosary today.